Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Science Podcast. My name is Devin Box, and I'm your host. Music you just heard brought to you by the talented Chase Drew. Check out his music wherever you stream. And if you're into metal music, you'll love his new band, Road to Elysium. My co-host, Zachary Hunter. Zach, you're the numbers guy. What episode are we on? We this are on. season, you know? Oh, I know this because we're on the same episode on my podcast. So I'll plug myself, the Fiscal Frisk, new episodes every Thursday. But episode six. That's right. See, Zach's really good with numbers. If you want to learn more about numbers and finance, head over to Double Plug. The first set of the aforementioned <laughs> podcast, The Fiscal Frisk. The Fiscal Frisk. Episodes Thursdays. Check them out. Um, Zach, you know I love psychology papers. Yes, so you do. We're back with another one. Uh, let's go. <laughs> and today I found something rather interesting that I think is going to be kind of a good eye opener. Uh, to kind of how we just define or diagnose things or even just interpret people in, in the wild, in real life. Um, <laughs> and it's relevant to the climate of online social interactions. Now, Zach, you've heard the word narcissist, right? Of mm-hmm. course. Now, based on its definition, narcissism is a personality disorder that is conceptualized as excessive self-love and manifests as what they call a grandiose sense of self-importance entitlement or superiority which yeah based on that it makes sense i mean yep. I, <laughs> I can't pull that definition out of my brain but if you looked at somebody and you said oh it's a narcissist then uh yeah that's that makes sense yep um but what i found really interesting was that this definition really only talks about like the outward expression or behavior that's seen in these people um and, and they said, actually, that narcissism, as it's defined, can be broken down into two subcategories that actually kind of discuss the underlying reasoning or, like, the psychology behind those narcissistic behaviors. So the typical one that you would asso- associate with, say, you know, that gr- is grandiose narcissism, what they call it. So grandiose narcissism is high self-esteem. Um, they call it self-aggrandizement. Like just big, everything's, uh, you know, more important, self-importance, stuff like that. Right. And then the other one is what they call <clears throat> vulnerable narcissism, which is characterized by low self-esteem, anxiety about attachments, and extreme sensitivity to criticism, which is very fascinating to me because I think if you just said, okay, narcissism is based on kind of, again, those outward behaviors, like what do they show to the world? And, and this is something I want to get is because you and I have had conversations with each other about this in real life is now preface this. I mean this in the most empathetic way possible. <laughs> Neither Zach or I mean to judge or patronize anyone, but there are some people that you see in real life or on social media that, that have this grandiose vibe to them. And, and sometimes I can't help but feel bad. Because in some cases, it's almost like it's really obvious that they're trying to portray something that they aren't. Right. Um, and kind of with this new definition, um, it, it's like, okay, that kind of makes sense. I could see that doing it. But it's not, again, it's not us judging these people. There might actually be psychology behind this or reasoning to it. Um, you know, so in this, after reading this, I got think, well, maybe some people, those people you see in your life, um, we're not really narcissistic or like that grandiose narcissism or self-serving people, um, you know, but they maybe just had such low self-esteem or self-worth. They felt like they needed to act that way. Right. Now we can tell these two subtypes apart 
And central to this is that grandiose narcissism, the authors say, might actually be closer to psychopathy, which is psychopaths, <laughs> which is, again, we, we use that maybe term uh, in kind of a layman's way, but it's a legitimate medical psycho psychology term right. um, for being a psychopath, which they say is usually associated with, um, you know, say personality traits like manipulativeness. So with this in mind, um, the majority of what we see as narcissism might not actually be psychopathy or really a disorder, uh, but it might be what they say is kind of a reflection of personality adaptations that they employ to compensate for insecurities related to them actually seeing themselves as inferior rather than the opposite, right? Which right. the grandiose or the psychopathies, you know, the world orbits around me kind of idea. Yeah, exactly. So the hypothesis here is that these two types of narcissism would be predicted based on something that could differentiate why the person acts the way they do. And the way the authors chose to differentiate this is through measuring the level of appreciation for taste markers, um, which are essentially things that, that someone engages in uh, to kind of outwardly show that they have taste or sophistication displays, I guess, if you will. Right. And vulnerable narcissists will do this um, because in reality they're more insecure. And grandiose narcissists, they say, will not because in their mind there's really nothing to compensate for. They, in that case, truly believe it's more of a psychopathy that uh, they don't compensate for anything. They have that really high self-esteem. So the sample was 270 people from New York University. Um, they said everybody at the university or in the study spoke English. Median age was about 20 years old. Uh, they said 39% male, the rest female, and they assessed, so a long list of things. So um, psychopathic traits, levels of insecurity, narcissistic traits, uh, and then they have a, it's kind of neat, it's called a social desirability scale. And it's funny, as if I obviously include the reference in this, but they actually do include some of the questions that they ask these people. So if you're wondering what's on these, you know, self-report scales, you can see this. So the social desirability scale is actually a scale that measures tendencies toward giving socially, socially desirable answers. So I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, some, a question would be like, um, you know, would you rather do something that you're proud of and not receive any recognition for it or do something that you really aren't proud of, but get a reward for it, things like that. So it's kind of a difference between, um, is it, um, you know, the appreciation you get outward or is it the authenticity of that act? Right. Um, and that can gauge whether somebody kind of acts more towards socially desirable behaviors or outward expression, or are they doing it for different kind of internal reasons? And then finally, they measured, uh, or have a scale that measures a level of cultural evaluation tendencies, which the authors named this, the performative refinement to soothe insecurities about sophistication scale. <laughs> so performative refinement being things that you engage in um, to compensate, I guess, let's say, um, about those insecurities of your own sophistication. So it basically measures how much people compensate for their own perception of inadequacies um, regarding, you know, who they are as a person, in this case, their level of sophistication. Right. So what type of associations do we see? Um, so the results here are really complex. We have to do with measures and how much they actually agree with each other. So they have all these different scales. Um, but kind of in summary, the answers gathered... Um, I basically highlighted four facets that are highly associated with narcissism. 
Um, so this is explicit impression management, need for social validation, self-elevation, and social dominance, meaning that the traits that were assessed, and these were assessed through um, the sophistication or performative refinement. They, they, they put it into uh, acronym form. It's PRISN, P-R-I-S-N. So we'll just call it the PRISN. Okay. So they measured all of that and they got these four subcategories right. that were highly linked to um, displays of narcissistic traits. So basically the scale that measures everybody's insecurities and the things they do to make themselves seem more sophisticated were highly correlated with being a narcissist um, and then to differentiate the uh, you know these different types of narcissism even further um, insecurities made people more likely to feel um, you know more guilt in moral dilemmas and then the opposite was true for people who have psychopathic tendencies um, they have a negative association with guilt so with basically such close associations the author authors suggest that narcissistic tendencies may, you know, by and large, um, arise basically to help someone compensate for those perceived inadequacies rather than genuine grandiosity um, because the associations they saw with um, basically psychopathy went the opposite of the way that the narcissist went. So even though there's like, let's say, quote-unquote, overlap between a narcissist and someone who'd be a psychopath, um, when you break the scale down and measure narcissism based on the insecurities, the, uh, the associations are separate. Right. So you end up basically kind of dividing, let's say just a line between, okay, we have narcissistic traits, but they're doing them for different reasons. Um, and then the people that would say grandiose narcissism, those people would be more closely related to uh, kind of behavioral manifestations of psychopathy. Um, so what normally would have been seen as grandiose narcissism is more psychopathy. Um, and these people basically would present with not a hint of insecurities. So the fact that association-wise, they were able to predict narcissism based on insecurities, which would not make you a grandiose narcissism because you've got no insecurities. Yeah, exactly. Right? So they kind of divided it um, using those insecurity levels. Mm. And something I found interesting is what I kind of want to finish off with is um, the future steps of the study. So they say that the interpretation of behavior is ambiguous, which, which makes sense. Like just a behavior in itself, there's no context to it. It's just, you're doing something yep. right. Um, it's the intentions or motivations of those behaviors that matter. So in this case, between the two subtypes it makes sense. We're seeing the same behavior. That's kind of where we started. We just don't know why they're doing what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Um, essentially the same outward behavior, very different underlying reasons say, and they say this is psychopaths are known to be motivi motivated by the desire to attain power control. And in contrast, um, let's say true narcissism, um, which they're actually defining as this, um, insecure narcissism. That's what they say is true narcissism, right? Their actions are basically desired. Are their desire is to pursue status in this case because that's what compensates for their insecurities. Um, now, the problem is, is that in real life, <laughs> status and power usually go hand in hand. Yeah. Like you'd be hard pressed to find like a situation where you had one and not the other. Um, but again, the reasons for attaining them are actually really different. So they said that you could probably design a study or, or validate one of these um, kind of 
report questionnaires that have a lot of questions that juxtapose power and status with hypothetical situations. So something like uh, like high status, high visibility um, versus relative obscurity but high power, right? Like you could be super famous, super visibility, but really have no influence over everything. That would be status without power. And then the opposite would be true is, you know, I don't know, you could be the CEO of some company and you've got, you know, money here and you're, you know, you can control this and you can do all this kind of stuff with your power, but nobody has any idea who you are. Right. You could walk into a coffee shop and you just Joe Blow, right? Yeah. Like nobody knows. Um, and then juxtaposed, you people could basically pick between them so you could kind of see where the motivations for that went. Um, now, one final comment, all the way back to the beginning. Um, they also state that the prevalence of narcissistic behavior is on the rise, which, you know, I've, I haven't seen any statistics for that until now. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, maybe it's just kind of a bias, but if you were just to look around, <laughs> I mean, everybody has kind of a negative filter. It does make sense, though. Like, it doesn't, that doesn't surprise me, at least, I would say. Yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all. I mean, even just, like, we always talk about this, even with social media, where, like, it glorifies it more. Like, you're more likely to see the narcissistic like traits and then that may influence you because we've done it on like previous studies is like well how it influences like young girls or young women and yeah. like, young males and stuff if you're more likely to see it then you're more likely to engage in it exactly so in this case and that's kind of where i was taking this is what do we know about social media is that there's lots of those social comparisons and if the main driving factor behind in this case what we're calling insecure narcissism um is just that insecurity about those social comparisons. <laughs> if there were anything to create the environment that <laughs> exacerbates those insecurities, it's social media. Um, so kind of, again, back to the beginning, you know, the, the people you see online or in life whose, whose actions kind of suggest that, um, you know, they're compensating. There's actually scientific, you know, like psychological evidence that this might be the case. Um, and social media might be kind of the battleground where that, really plays out in i guess the most obvious way yeah right it's it's probably hard to I mean, you never judge anybody so hard to just talk to them in person and be like that guy's a narcissist or that girl's a narcissist but social media because it is a little bit more of a display tends to kind of come off that way in some cases so absolutely um but i mean it also does suggest that we should be a little less judgmental of these people right um you know, it's easy to see people who act grandiose and kind of be off put by them, you know, and to think that they are self-serving and, and, uh, you know, back to kind of the definition we put, um, and that's probably why narcissism is never a compliment. <laughs> right. Never get called. Unless well, maybe if you were, but again, in this case, if you were a narcissist that wasn't insecure, you'd probably be closer to a psychopath, which is in this case, we won't get into it, but, a you know, a, a diagnosis of, of you know, like a behavioral disorder, I believe. Right. So that's not really the same thing. Maybe those people would like being called a narcissist, <laughs> but I don't know. Um, but to the average person, to the insecure narcissist, not going to be a compliment. Um, we should also kind of, you know, consider the context. In this case, you know, the person that you see might actually be really insecure. Right. You know, and they could benefit from people like actually building them up rather than, um, you know, just buying into kind of the whole grandiose, I guess, idea that they put on social media, whatever that might be, um, you know, having a good friend. So because the insecurities, I mean, 
you know, may come from kind of from anything, right? Like lack of performance in your job. That might make you act or compensate, you know, bullying at school, an abusive partner. Like who knows? Right. Right. So instead of looking at that and saying, oh, this person's a, a jerk, whatever thoughts run through your mind, um, we don't know. But instead of having those negative interpretations, again, when we know the motivations behind it, yeah, we get a little bit of clarity. These people might actually just need a friend, <laughs> you know, and again, it can be more complex than that too. But so. I guess final message, be kind people, <laughs> even to the people that seem like narcissists, because this is really fascinating. Something like this just gives you more perspective on not just the people in the world around you. Right. Right. And while you're at it, while you're being kind to people, Ooh. be kind to your wallet and go listen to the fiscal frisk. Fiscal frisk. Your yeah. wallet won't regret it. New episodes Thursday, music by Chase Drew and listeners hit us up. We love hearing feedback from you guys. Yep. We want to hear more. So... For Zach and I, take care and we'll see you next time on the Health Science Podcast.